Hey, folks, welcome to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Carlos, uh, we've got the great Dave Burkett back, which is, uh, which is great for me because it helps kind of check you, you know, just in terms of reality. So that's always a pleasure. I, you know, I don't know if it is for you so much, but uh, I hope it is. You know, you're friends, right? At least off the court, so to speak. Yeah, we're, it's, it's good to see Dave, but I just saw him because I actually go to Lions press conferences on like another columnist I know. So, um, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> I saw him yesterday and I'm going to see him today on video. So um, I'm not sure if you actually exist, and tomorrow. Sean. Yeah, and tomorrow, right? Or today, whatever yeah, no, the we'll, podcast drops. Yeah, no, we'll, we'll, see it, we'll see it tomorrow. I don't know what good it did for you to go to Allen Park uh, because, you know. Neither do I. You have to kind of see and pay attention to what people are actually trying to say instead of put words in their mouth. But, um, okay, Dave, first of all, <laughs> thanks for taking time to uh, to join this little this little production here. Um, I don't know if you read Carl's or not today, but let me just preface this by saying I called him up uh, a couple days ago because he wrote a rings column, which I thought was really, really good. And I'm thinking, okay, here we go, here we go, right? And then he comes back with some stuff about a, a Super Bowl quarterback not understanding what it's like to play in competitive games. I wasn't sure what he was trying to say exactly, but uh, did you happen to read Carlos about the Lions and about how how concerned he was? I, I thought we were concerned when your you know kids cut themselves I, or something. But yeah, go ahead. I, I do have his his column up on my computer right now and. The second graph, I will say, look, first of all, Carlos, I appreciate you coming out to Lions uh, yesterday. I'm, Sean, if you need directions to Allen Park, I know it's been a while. I can give those to you after we're done. Uh, I, was there, I was there the last time uh, folks were – well, no, I, I missed the assistant <laughs> coaches last week. So, <laughs> um, but He was, no, there, he I, was I there for the last road game. That's the last time Sean was there. Yeah, no, I, I, the assistant coach yeah. stuff with John Fox, uh, who I know you're going to talk about here in a bit, I was – Izzo was oh, doing his uh, season-ending wrap-up, wrap so – yeah, basketball, like four weeks after the season was over, we're some took precedence, Dave. You have to understand that. Come on, yeah, but right. again, that's like his column. It wasn't four weeks. It was a week after the season was over. But go ahead. Sorry, Dave. Well, Sorry. I was just going to say I did the, the second graph did give me pause when he said something that Jared Goff and Taylor Decker said was deeply concerning because. Oh, God, um, it hurts the heart. Oh, yeah. It because i mean this is player speak what do you what do you expect you know they they know that the target is on them um you know and, hey and you asked them and be, they refused to say that the bullseye yeah, you asked and them, Jared Goff was definitely talking out of both sides of his mouth you know he said ah there's no favorites here right now but you know we feel like we got a team that's ready to do some things and so you know they know how good they are they know what the expectations are about them but i mean look if i'm being honest i don't think it find much of anything that players say or coaches say to be deeply concerning because so much of it is sanitized. For, no, but Colin, uh, public consumption. But Carlos, for whatever reason, and maybe he can help us understand, decided that that didn't matter, that that reality didn't matter. So what, what, what's the thinking behind this? Oh, I, I made the big mistake of actually believing, you know, taking people at the word and actually believing what they're saying. I mean, <laughs> if they're, if they're, Trying to, I, and I think this all gets down to, you know, for, for, for the one listener out there who probably doesn't know what we're talking about, you know, Jared Goff, Taylor Decker, Amon Ross, St. Brown talked yesterday on, well, Tuesday, uh, and um, started the, of the offseason program. And uh, Goff and Decker specifically were kind of playing down the expectations, playing down the, they're the lead dog in the NFC North. People were asking, you know, what's it going to be like now? How different is the vibe? Uh, in the building right now or among the team with you guys 
having these ex- expectations from the outside, of course, um, to win the division, to be a playoff team. And they're like, what are you talking about? We didn't, I think Goff said, you know, we had, we didn't make the playoffs last year. Why would there be, you know, why are we the guys who are being hunted? And it's like, uh, you know, but yet, like Dave said, is talking out both sides of their mouth. They're saying, yeah, we finished, you know, eight and two in the season, you know, uh, the last 10 games, one of the hottest teams in the NFL. So uh, of course people are going to be coming after them. Now, it's just human nature to tamp down expectations. You don't want to set the bar too high and fall short. So yes, but uh, I do believe there is part of me that is concerned that these guys are going to be pretending that, no, you know, hey guys, let's just go out there and let's just get better one day at a time and whatever. Let's just be the best us we can and kumbaya, you know? No, man, you guys, you guys are the lead dogs right now. You've got to accept that. you got to accept that every other team you went five and one the division and you got the Vikings got lucky to win that one game against you in Minnesota. So everybody wants to have payback against the Lions in the division. So they need to recognize that they need to understand that people are going to be coming for them throughout the league. You know, they're the, then they're, they're the Cinderella's the, you know, your, your favorite coach all time, Dan Campbell, Sean um, is uh, you know, he's, he's a target in a way because he's, He's so flamboyant and bigger than life. And, uh, you know, you bet other teams want to knock him down. That's a good thing, but they have to accept it. Dave, I think, um, Dave, please, please. Yeah. No, please. well, look, first, I, I think we, there needs to be a little clarification that Jared Goff was definitely downplaying and talking out of both sides of his mouth. Taylor Decker was, I thought Taylor said some, you know, important and, and good things. You know, he was sort of saying like, like, yeah, these things are there, but we have to prove them first, which that's what it is. Like they, they do have to prove it, right? No one, no one is, is ready to crown them yet. And the expectations don't mean anything unless they, they go out and sort of fulfill their obligations, right? Both here in the off season and, and once the season comes. So I, I, I think there was a little distinction between what those two were saying, but look, when Dan Campbell gets in front of the cameras and he's asked about these and he's already sort of acknowledged this. I mean, talking at the, the owners meetings and even a little bit at the combine, like, you know, Dan's not a guy that's going to downplay that. I mean, Dan is the type that's going to embrace that and say, hell yeah, we are, we are the team to beat. you know, we got a pretty good team and we expect to be a good team. And, you know, if you want to win the NFC North, it's going to have to come through Detroit. And, and so I think that's the, the personality that his, his team will take, you know, no matter what Jared Goff is saying right now in April. Is he going that far? Do you think he's going to go that far? The NFC North goes through us. Is that he's going to go that far? I don't, I don't know that he's close to that. Look, I, I think you know um, certainly he'll he'll respect that the Minnesota Vikings are the the reigning champs. So maybe he won't say exactly that, but the air that he will give and the way that he will act behind closed doors, um, you know, I I feel pretty confident in saying that you know Dan. Um, will exude the confidence that you would think that some of these top level, you know, teams would have and, and that, you know, maybe his, his team will buy in. There's, you know, no one is going to come out and say, you know, this is, a, you know, this is our division for the taking, right? Like, you know, you, you're not trying to give your, your opponents a message board or, you know, locker room fodder, but um, there, there is a different way to handle it than how, you know, Jared Goff was soft, you know, soft talking and not wanting to acknowledge that, yeah, maybe the, there are some raised expectations and, uh, you know, we, we could be the favorites because we've done some good things. I think Dan will, will you know, um, present a different side of that when, when, he's, when he's asked about that a little more in depth, be it here later this spring or come summer before training camp. Oh, well, let, me, let me, I don't want to, uh, one last thing, Sean, I'll let you talk. Sorry about that, but uh, no, it's your show. Um, so the, the, 
the, my question is, Dan Campbell's done a really good job of playing the underdog, right? We're going to bite your kneecaps yeah. and get back up. We're going to we're going to drown, take you out to the shallows and drown you, whatever you know. Like he he's embraced that role; it's worked yep. for him. Now is he going to change that? Is he going to change the message of now we're the dogs, we're the you know internally, but also externally? Well, I think what Taylor said yesterday, and that's why I do think there is this distinction between what, what Taylor Decker and Jared Goff said. You know, Taylor said, um, you know, the guys and in, in him in particular sort of understand what they've gone through to get to this point, right? They remember all the muck that they, they dealt with over the last few years and how, you know, people held them down. And, you know, Amon Ross St. Brown said it too, that, uh, you know, all these teams that always used to take the Lions for granted, well, they, they can't do that anymore. And so... Um, I, I don't think, I don't think you have to totally, um, divorce yourself from that, that, you know, underdog sort of mentality. And, and especially if you're built up of, of, of guys who still view themselves as that, right. A, a fourth round pick in St. Brown or a guy like Decker, who's, uh, you know, gone through, you know, six years of his career without, you know, ever getting any, any pro bowl recognition and playing on bad teams, you know, throughout and, and remembering all those times when, when not just fans, but, you know, people in the NFL thought the Lions weren't anything. So I think you can, I think you can sort of have both of those worlds right now while the Lions are still in this phase of not having won anything yet, but being the type of team and having the type of roster that a lot of people will expect to win a whole lot of games this fall. What do you think, Carlos? It's your time to tr- talk with. That's what I think. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, no, 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 because you because Dave laid Dave laid out distinction. That's a word that you probably should familiarize yourself with. What After hagiography, familiarize myself. Yeah, what uh, St. Brown was saying, what uh, Decker was saying. You know, it doesn't fit the agenda when you go in. And you know, I remember a columnist that shall remain nameless that used to get to a game and have the column written. But uh, but anyway, so yeah, distinction. He never missed deadline either, by the way. So yeah, <laughs> nuance, all, all all that sort of thing. Uh, no, what, I mean, uh, of course, what do you think now that he, he he laid that out for you? Yeah, I mean, Decker and and Goff had a different, a little bit of a different uh, spin, you know, and they come from different trajectories, right? Decker's been here the whole time; he's seen the worst of the worst, and you know, Goff has you know played in the Super Bowl, you know, thanks to uh, you know. Um, don't do it. Don't Sean say it. whatever McVay, it is you're going to say. Don't say Rams, it. Aaron Donald, and uh, Nickel Roby Coleman. Uh, thanks and he to had all nothing those to do with it. Tiger, Goff, Roby, Brett Holmes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. Goff, Goff had uh, nothing to do with it. He was a passenger, wasn't he? He was a uh, he was a, a, a decent quarterback in that whole uh, operation that that played well enough to get them there. Yes. Um, so, I, you know what? I mean, they're they're will will they will they use that underdog mentality still can they still apply that um and and you know what a decker's was a decker who said you know we have a lot of work to do we haven't proven anything yet um yeah i mean of course of course not and and too much is often made about carryover from one season to the next because there's attrition right there's a lot of stuff that changes the lines have lost not only players, but, you know, important position coaches. So, you know, that's to, that that's a question mark that we don't know what's going to happen. You know, is Dre Bly, uh, you know, is he going to get fired six games into the season because, you know, he's, he's screwing up or whatever. You know, we don't know. He's an unknown. First time in the NFL as a coach. So, um, 
they they do have to prove themselves. But that still doesn't mean that the Lions are not going to be perceived as favorites everywhere in the division, nationally, locally, and the pressure. And there's a pressure from a certain columnist who shall remain nameless, uh, who keeps talking about hope and how much hope this is going to give everybody. And everybody's lives depend on the Lions, you know, fortunes this year. And, you know, there's so little to be happy about with the sports teams here in Detroit that the Lions are carrying everybody's hopes. So uh, you're going to see, I mean, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens um, if they if they win right away or they stumble right away, there's going to be a lot of reaction. If they win right away, a certain columnist who's going to be rena- remain nameless is going to you know crown them Super Bowl champs probably in the second or third week when they go two and zero, three and zero. If they go zero and three or one and two or something, you know, then that's going to be that's going to set Detroit in a panic. Um, and that'll be also interesting to see how the team reacts. But that's. They got a lot. They got a lot of work to do, a lot of proof. But especially on offense, man, thing you have to like what they're doing right now. I mean, Ben Johnson's back, the quarterback's back. They got you know an equivalent, more or less, you know, running back replacement for Jamal Williams, maybe even better. Who knows? They got a lot of pieces here. There should be no reason for them to be an elite, not to be an elite offense again. Defense is the big question mark. That's why we have Dave here. He's going to talk about the mock draft and he has all the answers for who the Lions should draft. The blueprint. Brad Holmes calls Dave Burkett every night and says, Dave, <laughs> what should I do? BFFs. All right, Dave, just, just so I'm clear. So you don't buy this idea that somehow, it's, I don't I hate to even call it an idea that gives it too much credibility. This, uh, wherever it comes from with Carlson, this idea that they're they're not they're not showing that they're ready, that they're going to have to prove something somehow in a different way in the fall. I don't understand. But just let me let me pick a couple of highlights here. And I don't want to start with this first sentence because I don't want to pile on. That wouldn't be fair. That would just be, uh, you know, over the top of the degree. Just I'll start with the second sentence here of a comment about this. Oh, yeah, let's not start with, I respect the, Do- the uh, Goff and Decker. Let's forget that one. Apparently, in his view, when it comes to winning in the NFL, and we all know who his is, what you say in April is much more important than what you actually do in the games during the regular season. Ridiculous. And then here's the next one, speaking about golf, not wanting to say anything. Hey, Carlos, I got news for you. They're not going to tell you what they said in bed to their wives or girlfriends either. <laughs> that's just a sampling. Is this your burner account that you're that's, reading that's, from? Or? That's just a sampling, Dave. There's a whole long list because, fortunately, my faith in humanity is restored a little bit when you see people that understand Oh my! They're shaking their heads too. But, but do do you buy this idea, Dave? I guess when it gets right down to it, that they're somehow what they're saying right now is showing that they're not going to be ready. Well, you're the only person that's ever bought or you know had your faith in humanity restored by message board postings. So. <laughs> no, but they see Carl. They see they, they see what Carl's is trying to do, right? No, I I, I know. Well, so I will say this: I I do think that there is a different pressure maybe that comes with being the hunted rather than being the hunter. And maybe that's what Carlos was trying to get at a little bit. He might have been. It's hard to know. (laughs) What Jared Goff was trying to avoid acknowledging, you know, and, and, um, but I I do, I I think, you know, there's, there's a different set of expectations. Like Carlos said, you know, when, when, um, however the Lions start the season, you know, 
instead of saying, ah, you know, here we go again, get ready for the draft, whatever. Uh, or maybe just maybe there's some hope. They're going to say, okay, see, I told you, right? We're, we, we have this team that's, that's, that's going to, you know, contend for a Super Bowl or, or oh, no, the, the disappointment is going to take over, whatever it is. Like, however they react to that, it, it's going to be different. It's going to feel different than it has in recent years because the Lions are, they are the, the buzziest team, one of the buzziest teams in the NFL right now. And you look at the NFC and it appears wide open and, you know, the Lions finished on such a hot streak last year and, and they've, they've done enough with their roster and have enough coming back that that you look at it and you say you know this this has a chance to be something pretty good here and maybe for for a couple of years this has a chance to be pretty good so I do think there's something to that that um, maybe there's um, a different you know pressure that comes with these expectations and how do these players react to it and that will be part of the the story this year but um, ultimately again you know I just what what people say right now downplaying that embracing that whatever i just don't you know it's april so it doesn't mean a whole heck of a lot to me well, i think well, that yeah. i think that you know what, what they really you know we have a different we have a job right everybody uh, the media has a job we get there we want to ask about the season it's the first time we've seen golf since the yeah. end of the year all this stuff all they want to talk about is uh that they lifted and they they did their comp body comp check and they're ready to, you know, whatever. Yeah. I mean, what, I forget what one of them, Decker or someone said, you know, I, I've barely seen anybody or whatever. You know, I've seen a couple of guys in my room and, you know, people are filtering in or whatever. And it's, you know, air quotes, voluntary anyway. But, uh, you know, that that's what they hope to talk about is. And they do get some questions about that, some, you know, pretty mundane questions about, you know, are, are you ready to, what was your off-season throwing program like and how great was that, whatever, you know, and yeah, it's good to see the guys. And um, But the questions really are, this is the first time we've seen you guys since you guys ended on a high note, you know, sent Aaron Rodgers packing into oblivion last game, going out a loser in Lambeau, if that trade ever comes to fruition. Um you know, a lot of a lot of a lot of hope that you ended the season with. And and don't forget, we talked to also Lee McNeil, you know, defensive tackle. And he didn't get any questions about how good can this team really be because he plays on defense and we just <laughs> if they just hope hopefully finished less than, you know, less than in the thirties, you know, it'll be a victory probably. But the guys on offense, I mean this is an elite offense and it's only gonna get better. And I, I think that I mean to me you got to believe Ben Johnson's motivated to to prove everybody wrong. Who knows what happened with North Carolina, but uh, or Carolina, but uh, you know, you know, he wants to light the world on fire on offense. He's got all the pieces. He's going to get more. Um, it should be it should be an exciting time. There's a lot of expectations, but it's all based on the offense. And when we talk to these three offensive players, you know, especially the leaders and Goff and, and Decker, you know, it was interesting that they didn't want to say that they were expecting a lot you know they probably are i mean that you know commenter you know s windsor you know 68 probably Dave, Dave, okay, you know he okay. probably yeah he's uh, right they're I'm not trying, gonna I'm give the world be, everything uh, i'm trying to remain calm here dave just said decker didn't do that and i would i'm sorry i love you carlos but i'm gonna trust <laughs> i'm gonna trust dave's perception of the scrum over yours i hate to say that but it's true maybe golf did so that's fine and in fairness and dave i'll say this Carlos is right that uh, I, I think it's I don't think anybody would disagree with this. It, what happens in September is going to be big in terms of what this this the, the town the sports fans around this town feel right if they come out and go one and three or whatever, yeah, people are going to you know go right back to where they've always been and 
I absolutely agree with Carlos. But, um, but oh, God, I was starting to get sidetracked with this Ben Johnson business again. I, wh- okay, Dave, let me ask you this. Why is Carlos so hell-bent on saying Ben Johnson's got a chip on his shoulder and he was somehow screwed over in this process last fall as opposed to a young guy I never thought about a real chance before last season going out and putting feelers out and going through the beginning of that process? What, what's going on here, Dave? Um, well, you know, I just want to say this about Decker. You know, he did say yesterday that it's nice to come into the building with expectations and it's enjoyable to, to look toward next year, you know, knowing that, that the foundation is oh. in place. But but he said, you know, you have to come in and, and do your, your thing, right? You got to take care of business for any of that to mean something. And so I think that's that's the bottom line with it all, right? Expectations are here. Doesn't mean anything now. Got to take care of it. Uh, as for Ben Johnson, you know, he is... I mean, look, I, I guess no one knows exactly what happened in those interviews. Um, my read from talking to people is that Ben probably could have had that Carolina job if he wanted it, you know, had he gone through the, the process. But you think they lowballed him? Did something? I, told him we no, have to have certain certain guys on his staff or something dictated? No, I think, to Ben Johnson's credit, he went through this and he realized, like, I don't know if it's I'm not quite ready or I want a situation where I can win in or whatever, whatever. There was something that just wasn't right about it for him at this time. Money? And no, I mean, look, David Tepper is like the second richest owner in the NFL. You know, I can't imagine it was about money. And Ben has a, you know, really, really, really good reputation. He's, he's going to be a head coach in the NFL as long as like Jared Goff stays healthy and this Lions offense like is, is, you know, pretty good this, this coming season. And I just, you know, Ben Johnson wanted, um, my understanding, you know, he wanted like Vic Fangio as his defensive coordinator, but like Vic Fangio had like eight or 10 offers last year. So who knows if Vic Fangio was going to go with Ben Johnson, you know? And so maybe Ben didn't have the right staff in place, or maybe he didn't, you know, didn't feel quite comfortable with, with going to that, um, you know, that organization at this point in time, you know, to, to feel that he could be a winner, that he could win in the NFL. And I think that's ultimately like where he is right now as a young coordinator is, he should, you never know for, for sure, right? Things change. And, you know, a lot of coaches that thought they were going to get jobs never do, but he should have an opportunity to be a, uh, in a position where he's coveted for multiple jobs again. And maybe he has his pick of jobs. Maybe he's more ready from the, the preparation that, you know, he's, he's put in to know the roster or have the right staff in place or, or just whatever the situation is, you know, another year of experience, you know, calling plays and, and doing the things that he needs to do to feel like he can win in the NFL. And so I think he, um, you know, again, not knowing everything that went down, I think he pulled himself out of the running for the right reasons by saying, you know what, I'm going to have a, a better chance for me to succeed a year down the road at whatever that, that spot is. And I do now. And so he made that decision for him and his family and to come back and, you know, be here with the lions and get another bite at the apple at some point in the future. I just don't, I don't believe that this was the way it's been cast as, you know, what was it? Unfinished business, whatever, you know, like, no, horse pucky. Something wasn't right about that whole process, either, you know, the offer, you know, the, the right. He wanted a, certain guys on a staff and they're like, well, if you, know, we don't, you know, Fangio's 8,000 years old. No, we don't want him. You know, uh, like if there was something that didn't sit right. 
Carroll and I, and Carolina I totally, take Fangio. He, Fangio's a really good. I mean, again, he had eight. I know, I know. It's not Carolina saying not that it's Fangio saying no. You know, whatever. It's not whatever. I don't, it I don't was, get this. The money, the control of the roster, whatever. I don't know if you wanted Matt Rule status or whatever it was, but also this is. I mean, this is the Panthers. They've been successful. They have a good owner. It's not. A, it's not Jerry Jones. It's not Dan Snyder. You know, it's not weird stuff. You know, there's there's nothing weird about that organization. You know, they're supportive of their coaches. Um, they've had success. So I, I think it was maybe a, an issue with, you know, first time coach. And there were some, you know, restrictions maybe placed on him or something or who knows? Maybe he didn't interview well. Who, who knows what it was? I don't know. There was some this. reservation Dave, Dave from the organization said. probably that were and, and, and Johnson probably Ben probably had like some feeling about that. Right. Like it's not perfect. It's not the perfect fit. And there was probably, well, you know, he probably had a That's feeling like it's credit if he had that. Feeling. I don't understand. I know it's to his credit. I'm not, I'm just saying that the, the Panthers were like, here's, here's a billion dollars. Come be our coach. No, yeah. thank so I've you're got just ignoring Dave. That's what's happening. You're just ignoring Dave. We've got one of the best <laughs> inside plugged in reporters in the business. Right. Our staff. I love, I love Dave, Sean, but don't, don't pretend you don't know how this business works. Dave talks to people and people always have a self-serving point of view and they want to protect certain people. And so, you know, you don't always hear the full truth. You don't hear the ugliness of it. That'd be fine if you just talked to one person, but he talks to multiple people. Not only that, it tracks a lot more with human nature. The idea, look, if you're not a narcissist, the idea that you're not ready for something that you might be self-aware for that. Is there are 31, 31 coaching opportunity, 32 coaching jobs on the planet, Sean. If you're not, if you don't think you're ready for it, don't even start. Don't even get out of the get out of NFL. If you're a coordinator right now no, in the no, NFL, no, no. you don't think you can be a head coach. Oh get out. Go be a garbage man. I, 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 That's I, the whole point of being Dave, a coordinator. Come on, no, 32 jobs look, on the planet. Maybe, but you don't know what you don't know until you get into the interview process. Exactly. And again, I, I don't know. I don't know everything that went on, but I, I feel pretty comfortable in saying that Ben Johnson was the favorite to get the Carolina job at the time that he pulled himself out of that. Now, would he have got it? I don't know. I mean, they hired a pretty good coach and an offensive coach and an experienced coach. So I don't know for sure that he would have gotten it, but he was very highly, re- he is very highly respected in the NFL. And there was a pretty good chance that he was going to be a finalist, the guy, whatever it is in Carolina. And so I give him a lot of credit if going through that process, if, well, I don't know that he didn't interview well, but if what you're saying, Carlos, well, maybe he didn't interview well. Well, maybe that's part of his realization that, you know what, I'm not quite ready for this right now at this very moment because I've just been a coordinator for one season. I spent spilled so much of myself into that that I don't know this roster like I should or I don't have the right staff in place or whatever the 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 circumstances are that led him to um, make that decision to want to come back. I give him a lot of credit for being, as Sean said, very self-aware to say, you know what, my best chance to succeed in the NFL, and I'm confident enough in myself that I'm going to get another chance, is going to be next year after I do some more really, really good things on the field with the Lions. And then I have a, an even better hand on what my staff is going to be. And I'm going to have my pick of jobs. And hey, maybe I will have a, a team that's going to pick first or second because Carolina wasn't picking first or second at the time. And so I'm going to get that quarterback at USC or that quarterback at North Carolina that a lot of people in the league think is going to be a superstar. So I, I don't know all the factors that went into it, but I think I think Ben Johnson, from what I know, deserves credit for pulling his name out of the running and whatever he, you know, saying about unfinished business or not, 
realizing that my I'm going to succeed as a head coach in the NFL by having one more year of experience and by making sure I have all my ducks lined up by the time I go to become a head coach. Okay. Okay. Is there, is it possible, Dave, will you concede? Is it even possible that Carolina lowballed him? And that was the reason they were like, Hey, we can get Ben Johnson for a couple of million bucks cheaper than Frank Reich. Who's an established, you know, head coach. Is that well, possible? <laughs> That's why he pulled his name out of that. Is that possible at all? I, I mean, like anything's possible, right? So I guess I'm not going to say no, but like, I mean, who's your source on that? You know what I mean? Like, have you talked to somebody that suggests that? Yeah, I I don't Uh, think there's... Watching the NFL and listening to to humans for a long time, yeah. No, like, I, I don't... Just because somebody pulls their name out of the running or doesn't get a job or was considered a favorite and is, is then, you know, doesn't, you know, end up in that spot. That doesn't always come down to money. And um, I don't, I mean, Ben had like a virtual interview and he was one of many people. And yes, in the NFL, I think you probably know some parameters of, of what you're going to get paid, but um, the Carolina Panthers weren't the only team interested in Ben Johnson. So I don't know that David Tepper was going to Ben Johnson and say, here, you're taking pennies on the dollar to be a head coach. And, you know, when the, the going rate is, is twice that, I, I, you know, Ben's got a really good agent, one of the more prominent coaching agents in the business. I, I tend to think that he had a pretty good handle on and he wouldn't have let his client interview for some place um, that, you know, that was going to be a, an issue where that may hold him back. And I don't think there's any reason to believe that David Tepper would would be the lowball type. That's that's not who he is as an owner. So do I think that was was a factor in this. I, I don't think it was at all, but is it a possibility? Sure. Anything can be possible. Check me. Yeah. A meteor you. could, a meteor could hit us right yeah. tomorrow. I mean, I guess, in, I guess in that sense, I, I, okay, we need to, we need to take a break and we want to talk about the mock draft and maybe a little bit of John Fox and, and the idea of bringing in an older coach, uh, established coach, whatever. I think it's, I think it's interesting, but, but real quickly though, Dave, I, I, fi- I figured it out. I figured out where Tuesday's column came from. Carlos went in there and got tired of listening to the questions about off-season regiments and workouts and diets and whatever else and thought, okay, this is boring vanilla. Uh, I'm going to find something that's also boring vanilla and say that, no, what this really means is this. And now I'm concerned. Okay, I'm I'm glad that I finally figured out where that came from. Instead of just saying, well, Goff's saying this, and that's whatever, you know, he can say this over here and then say this over there. But the truth is, they're going to have to figure. They're going to have to deal with this in the fall. That's real. That's true. But uh, to, to be to, to be concerned that they don't know that. Um, okay, fine, whatever. Well, it's you, like could, saying, it's like you know what, Sean? That's that's a really good point. I have to admit, and that you could write that column. Wait, you didn't go to the press conference. You did couldn't do it. Sorry about that. Okay, <laughs> next time. Next time. Yeah. Talk. Okay, no. Ben Johnson has uh, got a chip on his shoulder because he got screwed over, and Jared Goff is clueless. Okay, let's take a break. <laughs> and, uh, that's the world according to Carlos. Let's take a break, and we'll get back into that world because I will say it is, it is uh, though sometimes frustrating, it is a fun place to be. <laughs> He's it's a, like he, Kiwi's world. Yeah, my, my oldest son refers to him as the anarchist, which I didn't realize until the other day. But uh, hey, Agent of Chaos is I I, think how we, a chaos agent is what I've always said. Yes, right, right. He's the Draymond Green of the Detroit Free Press. Don't step on me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, it's a little bit more than a step, but yes. Um, <laughs> all, all right, let's uh, let's take a let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back with more Free Press Sports with Girls and Sean. 
Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carl Sushant. Okay, let's uh, tick the temperature down here. Uh, it's me, really. Uh, it, this is all my fault, as uh, as things usually are. And we want to get into the mock draft here because I know I know Dave's fans are waiting for the tenth or eleventh. How many, Carl's? I think it's twelve. I think twelve. Okay, the twelve point five. But since I got you both here, and since you guys listen to him talk, <clears throat> I'm curious what you does it say anything or not? Uh, you know. It may, it may not. That that Dan Campbell brought in John Fox, and just the idea that uh, he wasn't worried about Aaron Glenn's sense of place, security, all that sort of thing. That the, the, the way he's building out his staff is, hey, the more ideas, the better. Uh, let's let's get our egos out and uh, and see if we can throw everything in a pot and come up with the best way to attack week to week. I, I'm curious what you guys thought of the the hire in that regard. Yeah, I mean, look, somebody asked me in a radio interview a few days ago about, you know, John Fox and how important that was for the Lions. And, I, you know, honestly, I I mean, I think it's a good hire, but I don't know that it's, like, hugely important because it's still going to be Aaron Glenn's defense. And as Dan said, you know, John is there to sort of, you know, look at, you know, cover Aaron's blind spots, you know, and, and make sure that there's another sounding board for him to, to pick from. And, yeah, certainly, like, you know, it's something that, that Dan has done and, and that, you know, he believes in just like competition among players, you know, essentially competition among staff, not for jobs necessarily, but that, um, you know, when you raise the intelligence quotient of the the uh, room, you know, it helps everyone. And so, you know, they had this same spot filled in 2021, his, his first season when Dom Capers was there. They didn't have that spot last year on defense. They did on offense with John Morton, who wasn't there in, in 2021. And now they have um, essentially, uh, you know, a, a, a senior assistant on both sides of the ball. So it's just the way the NFL has gone. Um, probably a good move. You know, Fox has lots of lots of experience, good defensive mind. Don't think it hurts at all, but um, I don't know that it's going to be the difference between the Lions, you know, winning 11 games and, and winning eight games. I think it's going to be a sensitive point because Ben Johnson's going to ask uh, John Fox, you know, why did they why did they hire Frank Reich instead of me? When you were with the Colts, you were his best buddy. You should have done something for me. Uh, no, I, this is this is obviously tacit. Um, a, con- a tacit concession from Dan Campbell that things aren't going great on defense with Aaron Glenn, and he needs help. He needs something, a backstop, like Dave said, maybe some, you know, Dave, before he had a name drop, by the way, that he was on a radio show, Sean, and he got asked this question. Um, no, don't, that, don't turn your wrath on Dave. Take, take yeah, it out. Take yeah, it out I, on I hear, me. I hear it all the take, time. It's okay. Take it out it's on okay. me. You know, I was talking to my good friend, John, uh, Mike Valeni, the other day, and um, <laughs> it's okay. I'm used to it. Um, this is a show in Vegas. So. Oh, oh, Vegas. Oh, my God. Oh, I'm so I'm sorry. There. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, yeah, that's, it's you know, uh, sometimes, I mean, sometimes uh, there are too many voices in the room, right, Dave? It doesn't always work out. Um, but hopefully, um, you know, I mean, you know, Dan Campbell knows John Fox and, I think they've had a relationship for a while and he trusts them. So he, you know, I don't think he'd bring somebody in who wouldn't work um, in that dynamic. But uh, let's put it this way. It, it can't be worse, can it? Um, so it, it's probably a good move. Something, um, someone to, to, to provide another point of view, another perspective. I mean, even even Fox himself really 
didn't really exactly say what he was going to do, right? He was just kind of like, well, I'm going to be there and whatever people need me to do, whatever, you know, experience, whatever. He's seen a lot of football. Has been, I think he dropped a little hint that he may have set an NFL record for how many straight years he's been a head coach, 16 or whatever it was without a break. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's good. It's good to have that experience probably. Um, but it's all going to come down to who they draft and how they use them. Um, they're making improvements. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, there should be an improvement. Fox may be part of that. The hard thing about it is we're just never going to really know. I mean, we're not really going to probably talk to John Fox much, if at all, the rest of the season, uh, because he's not a position coach and a court or a coordinator. So, um, it'll be a little bit hard to suss out how much, uh, you know, the, the hand he's playing in, in figuring things out or helping, things unless Aaron Glenn or someone else gives them credit but uh, like I said it can't get worse let's see if it if it helps a little bit at least okay let's get to the mock draft so who do you who do you have Dave Jalen Carter (laughs) Uh, I have not done my mock for this weekend yet so um, not to you know dodge the question or save it for the readers or anything I just haven't (laughs) haven't got there with some of the uh, the content Um, look I mean if I was you know, as I think through the scenarios in my head, um, uh, I, I don't think Jalen Carter will be the, the guy just based on the, the culture fit, though. I don't I don't know, you know, exactly how that meeting went the other day. I, you know, certainly I think Tyree Wilson or Will Anderson, um, one of those guys would be a fit. You know, Tyree Wilson's a guy that I've given to the Lions like three times in my, my four mock drafts. So it's not like that would not be anything new. Um you know, look, the way I, I see it, I guess, um, number one, Bryce Young, right? Number two is sort of a pivot point in the draft with the Houston Texans. And, uh, I, you know, I don't know that they're going to take a quarterback. I sort of tweeted about this the other week that, you know, there's definitely a lot of a lot of talk that they won't. So if they, let's say they trade with the Colts and there's only two quarterbacks that get, go in that top four, that means a couple of those defensive guys are off the board, right? Maybe Will Anderson goes three and Tyree Wilson goes four and then the Lions have to pivot to a cornerback and they take, you know, Devin Witherspoon from Illinois. Um, if quarterbacks go high, right, if Houston takes a quarterback and then Indy takes a quarterback at at four, you know, you're probably looking at Will Anderson at three and maybe Jalen Carter goes five or Anthony Richardson goes five. So the Lions have more defensive players on the board and that's where the, the Tyree Wilson scenario or even a Will Anderson falling comes in. So I think just based purely on the number of quarterbacks that go in front of them, the Lions will either have their choice of Tyree Wilson, Will Anderson, Devin Witherspoon. Those seem like the most likely choices to me. And they'd pass on Carter. Yeah. I mean, again, look, you know, Jalen Carter is, um, you know, a lot of people, pundits, scouts will tell you he's the best player in the draft. Uh, but I just don't know about a culture fit from the Lions standpoint still. And, we probably talked about this the last podcast. It seems to have more to do with his, you know, practice habits, work habits, um, you know, than it does like the 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 accident that, from a legal standpoint, you know, has been cleared up the racing charge. I shouldn't say the accident; he wasn't directly involved in the accident. So, um, but you know, it, look, he is the guy that that's what they need most as an interior pass rusher, and he's really really good when he wants to be. So um, he would be a fit. And in some ways, he would be the best fit, but uh, culturally, I don't. I don't think he's the right fit, and that's why I, I think it's 
You're looking at Tyree Wilson, you know, maybe another big defensive end uh, pair with Aiden Hutchinson. So you've got six, six and six, seven on the ends. And you're, you know, you got two really good, you know, bookend run defenders there, guys who can get after the pass rush, you know, the, the, the passer. And you still have James Houston to, to rush the passer. And so um, that's sort of my, you know, the, the, the scenario that I think is most ideal for the Lions. And just to maybe preempt a question that you have about the quarter quarterbacks, you know, the Lions obviously did some work on Justin Fields. They brought him in. Um, you know, that's the a little bit of the wild card too, right? That Bryce Young is going number one. And if Houston doesn't love Justin Fields and they go defense and Arizona goes defense and Indy likes Anthony Richardson, you know, there's certainly some talk that they could sort of go off the board like that, Richardson or Levis instead of a Fields. Then all of a sudden Fields is sitting there at six and – uh, or could be sitting there at six, I guess, right? And so I think the Lions were wise to bring him in and, and do all their homework on him. Uh, maybe that's the scenario where they take a quarterback, but I, I still, I think, you know, they, they their preference is to go with one of those defensive players and continue building like they have, uh, you know, the last couple of years. Before Carlos asked the question, I, I, I think it's interesting that Justin Fields, as a professional football player, is throwing his name back into the draft. Did I say so, Justin Fields? Oh, so wow. I think, uh, I think, I think that's, CJ Stroud. That's wow, cool. No, that's cool. Yeah, he doesn't like Chicago anymore. Yeah. And he uh, so he's going to go back into the draft. I think that's awesome. Uh, that's my fault. Would yeah, be no, CJ Stroud. Great? Too, Wouldn't be great? You probably haven't done your work on this on this mock draft yet, have you? <laughs> Ohio State quarterbacks. I yeah, I, I, I knew nobody saw the draft pick nobody saw coming. Yeah, I knew that's right. Would that be great though? You go a couple of years like, yeah, I don't like this. I'm going back into the draft. <laughs> Forget Chicago. Yeah, no, CJ Stroud was obviously who I meant there. I knew, and, I knew uh, who you meant. I knew. Aren't yeah, they similar still. players though? I mean, don't they feel somewhat no. similar? <laughs> no, Fields is a runner, man. You saw him in Chicago. That guy can, you know. I mean, he's he's one of the most elusive quarterbacks in the game, a running back playing the position. Wait, did, did Carlos just ask if they were similar players? Yeah, Stroud, Stroud is like I can't okay. Stroud run. I mean, he's not as good. I mean, I'm not saying he's he's fields, but I mean, no, that's the knock on him right now is that he didn't use his athleticism enough. I mean, Stroud is a very accurate passer, right? And he, you know, you uh, if you watch some of those games, I mean, he was. And granted, he had a great receiving core, but he threw some pretty balls, and he really had that Ohio State offense humming. But that's what teams wonder like man you, you have a little bit of this athleticism like why don't you make some of these more off schedule plays a little bit you know and, and he didn't do that enough until that georgia game and so is ryan dale um, won't let him nah, i don't i i don't think it's i i don't know but uh, you know nfl people that uh, that's not i don't think that's that's the case and he's not justin fields or ever going to be justin fields with his legs um you know much more of a, a pocket passer and he's really good at that but um you know he's and and he's totally different than like an Anthony Richardson and so if that's what you're looking for at that position and maybe some team is right they want that dual threat and uh you know maybe that's why they would they would lean towards an Anthony Richardson over a, a CJ Stroud as far off as Anthony Richardson seems to be from hitting his his potential well, let me ask you this do you, Wait, think, do you Carlos, think, I have a question for you I have a question for you real quickly and, and Dave you can chime in you're sorry Carlos you know how if you you have your kids, I don't know if your kids have phones. Uh, I know yours do, Carl's, but I don't know if your kids are quite old enough there yet, Dave. But as a parent, you can kind of control what they can see and do to some degree on the phone, even maybe on laptops. And I'm wondering if that's the solution that would all be happy. So if we could control Carl's laptop so they can't <laughs> ever write about the lines again after the question about C.J. Stroud and Justin Fields, like, like it, 
if he starts to type in Lamar Jackson, it just shuts down on him. <laughs> and but if it's if it's the Wings, that's awesome. If it's the Tigers, that's great. And whatever else in this life. But if it's football, then it just shuts down. And what do you think, Dave? Is that is that? <laughs> <laughs> Can we do that? I think that would be awesome. No, I, I, I you know, I'm not going to go for that because Carlos was actually out there in Allen Park. Oh, so I, oh know, yes, yeah. good point. <laughs> Uh, okay, but so, no, sorry, I, Carlos. Go ahead. Yeah. Right, back to my question. So, do you think, you know, in a crazy world, I mean, in a crazy, crazy world, if Stroud and Richardson are still there and the Lions are picking sixth, do they pass on both of them? That's good. They, I thought you were going to ask if if Barry Sanders and Jerome Bettis were similar running backs. But, um, <laughs> no, they're, I, both they're both very yeah, good Hall of Famers. Um, yeah, look, I just I don't see the Lions taking a quarterback, but that I mean I don't know, you know, Stroud is look in in the NFL draft, right? I mean, you can go back to January, and I've told you guys before, I've always said this, right? Like, you know, believe most what you hear in January because that's when people are, you know, they're not smoke screening as much, right? Now this is when they do. If CJ Stroud is, if he was considered a top four player in the draft back then, right? Bryce Young, CJ Stroud. Will Anderson, Jalen Carter. That was sort of seen as the the top, you know, tier of, of players. And if he falls to six, then yeah, you have to consider that. And if you really liked what he said when he came in, um, you know, if he if he handled all the X and O stuff on the the whiteboard and you liked his personality, then you'd have to consider that. Um, but I just don't you know, what Brad Holmes said back in January too was that it's a lot easier to get worse at quarterback than it is to get better. And I think you know, Brad, Brad would, you know, and he'd probably agree with me when I say this, right? He's a snob when it comes to quarterbacks. He's a quarterback snob and I'm a quarterback snob and we just have different views on it in terms of like, I'm a quarterback snob, but I, so I think you need to, you know, keep trying to find that Patrick Mahomes. And I think he's a quarterback snob where it comes to like, well, I don't, you know, I, I'm not going to get that. There's not Patrick Mahomes out there. So why am I going to try to upgrade when Patrick Mahomes isn't out there? And so, you know, if, if he doesn't view whatever quarterbacks are there, Anthony Richardson, very far away from his potential needs a lot of, you know, uh, play time to get there, not going to get it behind golf, you know, CJ Stroud, if, if whatever it may be, right. Maybe it's the, the lack of using some of those athletic skills or the inability to, to create things out of, out of, you know, pocket, he wouldn't be much different than Jared Goff in that way that maybe, you know, he sees him as the same. So why take the same guy at quarterback? So I think Brad Holmes would only draft a quarterback if he thinks that quarterback has a likelihood of reaching his star potential. And I don't know if he he views either of those quarterbacks in that light. Anthony Richardson has star potential, but there's probably not a great likelihood that he reaches it given how raw he is, especially if he has to sit a year because he hasn't played a lot. And, you know, it's, I guess it's in the, the eye of the beholder, whether CJ Stroud has star potential. Now, is there uh, two questions? And I'm sorry, Sean. Um, one, you know, the Jalen Carter thing, I don't know if you can answer this quickly, but you said he's not a culture fit. Is it just the legal stuff or is it the whole uh, Dan Campbell, you got to love football and, be a grinder and grit, blah, blah, blah. Is that we're talking about culture? Or is it the legal stuff that maybe he's? No, as I said, it's, it's more about, I think it's more about just practice habits and, you know, the, you know, the effort that you bring to the, you know, the field on 100% of the plays that you're in, in practice or games. And, 
you know, so that's really, look, last year, you know, I, you know, Brad Holmes, my understanding was that Brad, like, came on Thibodeau, you know, like he, he thought he was a really good player and he wasn't, he is a good talent, you know, and, and Dan was much more on the Aiden Hutchinson train. And I didn't mean Brad doesn't like Aiden, he did, but like, you know, Thibodeau wasn't quite Dan Campbell's type of guy. And so I, they weren't going to draft Thibodeau, you know, if it wasn't Aiden Hutchinson, if Aiden went one, it was probably going to be, uh, Walker, you know, who, who went to, to Jacksonville. And so I think it's sort of the same thing here when it comes to these defensive linemen that, I don't know that Jalen Carter is Dan's type of guy. And so when I look at players that are, you know, and if, if, you know, Dan is going to be 100% on board with that pick, then, you know, it's a Tyree Wilson who they got to look at and look at his frame and be like, wow, we can coach this guy up and he plays hard. And, you know, even if he's not quite as polished, we can do some things with him. Or it's a Will Anderson who like checks every single box that you want off the field. Or maybe it's a Devin Witherspoon who doesn't play the same position, obviously, but like has some of those same, you know, love of football tenacity sort of characteristics that have propelled him to, you know, be a pretty great story after barely playing football in high school. So, um, yeah, so I, I think I just see other players as being a better fit for this team than Jalen Carter. But again, maybe they, they heard what they needed to hear from Jalen when he came on his visit. Real quick thought, Carlos, for your second question on, on Carter. To me, <clears throat> the risk with guys like that, and I hate to say just if you don't think it's a culture fit or whatever, but if you, if you bring a player in, they don't have the practice habits and they're super talented and they're not going to bring it all the time, that has an exponentially negative effect to me, right? So it's not just you're not getting the play you want out of one spot on the defensive tackle or on one spot on the defensive line. That kind of lack of effort and waste of talent filters out, and it, it can submarine more than just that one spot. That's that's my experience just in sports in general, but in football in particular, right? So that's the risk. With To me, that would be the culture risk. And let me let me add this. And I wrote this, I don't know, a month and a half ago or something when I wrote about Jalen Carter. But it's look, this is not just like a unique to Dan Campbell thing, right? Like Martin Mayhew, I feel comfortable in saying would would probably tell you like everyone bags on him for passing on Aaron Donald, and he'd admit that was a mistake. But he would tell you that his probably his biggest mistake was drafting Nick Fairley, and it was for exactly that reason, yeah. right? Like Nick Fairley, very talented player, felt incredibly talented. And they didn't expect it to happen, and likable guy, people loved him in the locker room, but he just never he didn't he was the same type that he could be great when he wanted to, and he just didn't want to enough. But and don't forget they had Sean Rogers shortly before that. And Sean Rogers was a hell of a player. Same thing, same profile. Lazy, didn't have great work habits, all that stuff. But he was a pro bowler. He was a really super great player. talented, wasn't he? Yeah. He could have been more. And that's always the NFL, right? It's all oh, your potential, your ceiling, your potential. This guy can be a Hall of Famer. He can blah, blah, blah. You know, that's not in everybody. But you can still get a damn good player. Well, and it's easy to overlook the character flaws, you know, that the Lions say when you love football, right? And when you know, when things go wrong or you pour yourself into the game and that, you know, that's your strength and that, you know, comes out of you and you play your best. And, but when you don't have that love of football and, you know, you're going to half-ass it at practice or, you know, however that, that shows up, then that's when I think it gets to be, you know, a concern. And so that's why, you know, some of these questions are out there about Jalen Carter and hopefully he answers them all well and he goes on to a great career because he's a super talented player. Maybe some of this stuff is overblown, but I think that's what the Lions and every team are, are trying to figure out. It has more to do with that than it does anything off the field. 
So oh, go it, ahead, Carl. Sorry, sorry. Is it uh, when I asked about the 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 uh, uh, Stroud and Anthony Richardson thing? Is that Brad Holmes' nightmare, Dave? That both those dudes are available and he's picking sixth, and he would have to pick a guy that high, and suddenly everything that you said about uh, Jared Goff is our guy, and he's the man, and we believe in him, and blah 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 goes out the window because everybody's going to be calling for that draft pick to play ASAP. There's going to be a quarterback controversy, all that stuff. Well, you know, that's assuming he takes them. And I don't, I don't know that he would. I mean, the lions, they, have, they, they did their homework on Stroud and brought him in. They didn't bring Anthony Richardson in for a visit. You know, I, they didn't go to his pro day. So I, I don't know. I don't know how they value him or, you know, where they would consider him in the draft. I mean, you know, he passed on Justin Fields to go back to that, that name in the draft a couple of years ago. Right. And at that point in time and, and still today, I mean, he, he made the right choice, made a great pick in Panay Sewell, but you know, like if Justin Fields becomes a star, that's obviously going to be like hanging over the lion's head for years that, Hey, you passed on this guy who went in your own division, who is now a star. And so, uh, you know, Brad appears comfortable enough that it doesn't matter if a CJ Stroud or an Anthony Richardson or whoever becomes a star, if he passes on them at six, he, he likes his guys that he likes and he's going to do that. So I don't know that he would feel compelled to take either of those guys at six. Um, you know, just reading the tea leaves, I would guess that, you know, CJ Stroud more than Anthony Richardson is in the mix for them at six if they're both there. But, um, you know, maybe that's a question to ask Brad tomorrow is, you know, exactly some of his thoughts on, on these quarterbacks in this quarterback class. Well, I'm not going to ask that because uh, someone wrote that uh, he doesn't have any kind of a depth chart anywhere on their draft board. I mean, I, mean, I don't know if he'd even admit he has a draft board and how many times he's going to say in the press conference are going to get the best player available. Best player for the Lions. Yeah, best, best player, player for the Lions. Lions. Yeah, Eight and a half is what Vegas has it at right now. Eight and a half is the over. Eight and a half. Ooh. All right. Before uh, before we let you go, Dave, and uh, thank you for for previewing a little bit of the the mock draft coming up. We love your mock drafts. But before we let you go, I, uh, you know, you hung me out to dry a few weeks ago, man. Carlos wrote. I did. You did. Carlos <laughs> wrote a column about how the free agency's kind of class of the lines is underwhelming. And they really needed to go get Lamar Jackson, but he said at the end of the column, Oh God. Yeah. I know exactly. Although he said uh, at the end of the column that they maybe didn't need to go to the majority Lamar Jackson, so I wasn't sure. Oh yeah. But uh, yeah, I did leave you out to dry. Of course you did, man. So yeah. So I yeah, what what do you think about uh I see that he might be getting paid two hundred million bucks, not Jalen Hurts money, but uh what do you I think, think about his fit? I think that's about the silliest thing Carlos has written since trading Matthew Stafford for Tom Brady. I want to be real honest. Lamar Jackson for the Lions. Look, Lamar Jackson, I think he's a good quarterback. You know, he's he's very unique. You know, he he uh, he's an MVP, right? He's still young. I mean, who knows, you know, what, if anything, he's going to go on to win in his NFL career. I know there are people in the NFL that have their doubts about that. But, I mean, I don't. That doesn't take into account the money or the compensation that you would have to give that man to, to come to Detroit. And when you're the Lions and you have, you know, uh, all these first round picks, uh, you know, all this draft capital, uh, it's limited cap space. You know, um, I know they have 20 couple million right now, but they need 20 of that to sign their draft picks and, uh, you know, to get them through the season practice squad, all that good stuff. Um, it's not like they're, you know, the Bears with $80 million in cap space when they go into free agency. 
I just don't think it takes any of that into account. And it would also involve a complete overhaul of the offense and the complete overhaul of everything that they're doing. So uh, it's pie in the sky-ish to say, yeah, let's go add this MVP quarterback who everyone acknowledges is a, a really good talent. But the reality of it is that that just it, it, it wouldn't work like that. You can't flip a switch and put him in and automatically jump from nine wins to 13 wins because you, you, you added a, a quarterback like Lamar Jackson. There's a lot more that goes into it than that. I just wanted to have some fun with Lamar Jackson. But in all seriousness, uh, what did you think of the what did you think of the free agency cl- signing class? Yeah, I mean, look, free agency is you know fool's gold. Never get too you know enthralled with who they sign or who they don't. I think um, they made you know they added some starters. That's a good thing. Uh, you know, ultimately, like. You know, the most important thing, they didn't sign anyone to bad deals. Most of those guys got one-year deals, so it's not going to be an anchor on them. The Lions are building this thing the right way through the draft. Um, I do think Cam Sutton's a pretty good player. Um, you know, he's not going to be Jalen Ramsey at his his peak. So it's not like you're getting a bona fide number one, you know, all-pro cornerback. But you made an upgrade with him, and you made an upgrade with C.J. Gardner-Johnson, no doubt, wherever he plays at slot corner or safety. And if Emmanuel Mosley is healthy, you, you should have three new starters in the secondary. Uh, bring back a healthy Tracy Walker. You know, maybe Kirby Joseph improves in, in year two. And uh, all of a sudden, you look like the Lions have, uh, or the Lions should have, you know, an improved secondary. Carlos? Yeah. Well, there's a lot of ifs there, I think, like kind of 12 ones. So, yeah, that should be should be great. <laughs> I, I, don't, I mean, in free agency, that's the problem, right, is the, the one-year deals and all that stuff. It means that there's not a lot of faith yeah. on either side. Um, you know, everybody, oh, the build to the draft, it's the right thing. Well, you got to also add some really, you got to hit on some really good free agents. You got to find some Glover Quins, right? some Dre Blyes out there. Um, that's the thing that they're that they're missing right now. Uh, I mean, Cam Sutton might be that guy. Who knows? CJ, Gardner Johnson. I mean, he was the one that came to him late, Carlos, right? Like all of a sudden, you know, they, they planned to sign these two corners and then it was like, we got a little bit of money left over and this guy's still out there. So, wow, this could be like our bonus edition. You know, that was the one I think that sort of opened people's eyes that was like, well, the Lions, we knew we were, they were going to add a cornerback. And okay, they added this, you know, they took an injury flyer on, on Mosley too. But, oh, man, that you sign this this third guy and all of a sudden it, it has more a feel like, well, we're making a run for it this year because we, you know, we added this this guy that we didn't think was going to be there. So um, I think he's the one that, like, you know, has that familiarity, can play a couple different spots, you know, lots of production on a really good team last year. He's the one to me that, like, all of a sudden it went from just filling needs to, well, we're going to roll this, roll the dice on uh, you know, someone who maybe can help us make a run here in 2023. Why was he? I mean, why was he out there? Was he looking for a huge deal and wasn't getting it? So he's just settling for a one-year deal. Is that? Yeah, that was the report out of Philadelphia. Jeff McClain had reported, you know, that he sort of overplayed his hand, that, uh, you know, the, the Eagles had offered him a, a contract early on. His agent kind of went and shopped it around and thought he'd get more. And by the time he realized he wasn't, the Eagles had already pivoted to, you know, keeping Darius Slay and, and re-signing you know, Fletcher Cox, I think it was. And so, um, you know, restructuring Brandon Graham's deal. So they had allocated their money towards other players that they were going to keep around and no longer had you know, the, the, the space to bring him back. And I know you can do whatever with cap room. And so maybe they, they could have made it happen, but um, that's why he was out there. 
And I think, you know, from his perspective, it was, well, give me one year and a defense that I know and, you know, a spot that I know I'm going to be playing, you know, a really prominent role and I'm going to have another really good season. And then I want to be able to cash in again in 2024, get the deal that I really thought I should have got this year. I think the one guy that is going to make a big difference if he stays healthy is Tracy Walker. I think he played like two or three games last year or so. You know, he was the anchor back there in the in the secondary. So that's uh, that's going to be huge. Not you know, it's your own guy, but he just if he's going to be healthy, you know, really good player. When did they lose him? Was that at Minnesota? Yeah, what week three, right? Week and four, didn't, week three. And didn't you didn't that loss sort of? I mean, couldn't you see it almost immediately? They they kept the Vikings in relative check before he went down, or am I misremembering that? Uh, that was, I mean, the Lions had a shot to win that game, you know, late. That was uh, obviously the one that they. Uh, no, I remember that, but I, I thought they played they played okay defense relative to what they had been playing, and then Walker went out, and then Cousins, you know, they started moving the ball better. Maybe maybe I'm misremembering that, but. It was so early, you know, I just remember going back and watching it and it was like he was backpedaling and then he planted and drove to come forward. And it, I, I just, I think it was early in the game. So I don't, I don't know what it had, but what it did, Sean, was if you remember right when he was out, um, you know, I think they, Juju Hughes maybe came in who was then caught a couple weeks later and Kirby Joseph took over as a starter, you know, the next week. And, uh, you know, then they benched Deshaun Elliott and Savion Smith came in and started like the next game or against New England. And so it, it really started, uh, you know, that dynamic where they were playing with personnel in the backfield, trying to find the right fit. And so, you know, as bad as the Lions defense was last season, that was a little part of it was that they were, you know, juggling personnel, trying to trying to make up for some of their shortcomings in the, the back end. Oh, for sure. All right, let's, uh, it, it, Carlos, do you have any more football questions? <clears throat> no, that's it. Okay. Um, I just didn't know if you wanted to compare some more players and, and that's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll have Dave on next week again. And we'll be right back with more Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Can we just go right into the, the favorite thing real quick? Who wants to start? Who's, who goes first? Carlos. Carlos. Carlos always goes first because it's, it's, so it's, it's, it's his segment. It's his show. It's me, Dave, and then Sean can pick which one he steals it from. So Okay. <laughs> Mine is simple. It's a, it's a beautiful day in Detroit. You know, we go from summer to winter to summer, I guess, every other day now. So it's the start of our... Free Press softball, co-ed softball team on Belle Isle. Both of you guys have come out and support our, have supported our coworkers, you know, consistently, vociferously. We appreciate it. Um, anytime you guys want to come out on a Wednesday, uh, Belle Isle Athletic Complex, Free Stars. And I'm proud to announce that this year we have a new coaching hire. Uh, the guy who's going to lead us to a championship, who's going to change the culture, who's going to make every right decision and every right move. You know who he is. It's Carlos Menard. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a great season, folks. Uh, I am inspired. I'm inspired by Dave's son, who's a baseball beast. Uh, hearing about Jack Briquet always brightens my day, and how much he loves the, the sport. So uh, I'm gonna carry his spirit with me out there on the softball diamond. And uh, if we don't go 0 12, it'll be a miracle. But still, uh, we're gonna have fun doing it. <laughs> So come on out, guys. Anytime. My Dave. son does love himself some baseball. What's uh, uh, what's yours, Dave? 
Man, I was trying to think of something good here uh, as Carlos was talking. Um, and I don't know, maybe I'm losing brain cells, but I couldn't really come up with <laughs> you anything. Didn't, you didn't have anything, anything you enjoyed? Enjoyed this past week? No, I, uh, you know, I was I was just going to say, look, the uh, since Carlos brought up, you know, softball, I mean, look, let's give the Tigers some credit. They're losing as we're recording this, but what, five straight wins and a couple in walk-off fashion? It's not going to be a very gr- uh, good summer here in Detroit for baseball, but uh, maybe there's an opportunity to uh, at least get some excitement out of it right now. And, and hey, we've, uh, we've been dreaming on, you know, what this, this uh, the city would be like for a long time if all these teams got good. I think the Lions are starting to get there. A lot, Tigers still have a long way to go, but um, at least they're uh, they're doing some good things on the baseball diamond. Right I think now. I think it was three straight walk off wins, right? Three straight walk offs. Yeah, yeah, I, I think, think it was. That's right. What what's the, the, the so that this is Wednesday? They're playing. What what are they? What's the score as we? Record? Well, you know, I I happen to check by a fantasy team and i think they were down three nothing so, you know. and i would not make my fantasy team the great thing of the week because my team is we've hit a little slump here of late so i mean i have enough dodgers i want to say my my favorite thing is that we've carlos and i finally figured this out uh, i'm gonna write i'll just write basketball and and, and some football and carlos will write baseball and hockey and uh, and golf and and if I could add a little tennis in there for me, then I think it would be perfect. That would be that that'd be a great rundown. You know, It'd be the trade off. Yeah, what do you think? Do the good working relationship. I, you know, I, as much as I would like it, Sean, I, I would miss having Carlos out in Ellen Park every now and then. So I, I have a little gift that I have to give him still. So. Um, you know, I'll give him that Thursday if I remember it. I forgot it the last couple of times that he's been out there. So. Um, yeah, I, I'd still miss him. I, I miss, he's such a good punching bag. I like to have him around out there sometimes. Well, Carlos is just fun. He's a fun, he's a fun good dude. <laughs> you know, it's like are a, you? Like a, uh, like I want to know if like Dave's taking is, ta- is Dave taking Jack Burkett to uh, watch uh, the Angels when they came to Comerica Park in uh, in July to watch uh, <laughs> Phil Nevin manage the, the Halos. Uh, Carlos, you know, he's sort of off the Angels tip right now. He's a huge Padres fan. Well, we uh, <gasps> went and saw a Padres game in spring training. The uh, family was down there for a couple of days in Arizona when I was down there. So went down there. And this is how big a Padres fan he is. Not that anyone cares about my fantasy team, but we have minor leaguers in our fantasy league. And he's such a big Padres fan. He loves catching that the Padres have this very young catcher who's a really good prospect. Ethan Salas was like the top international signing. And, Car- and my, my son was like, we have to sign Ethan Salas for our team because I want him on my team. He's going to take over the team at some point when he's capable and I can finally get rid of that thing. And so he wants Ethan Salas on his team. Well, well, my, my real favorite thing, though, is um, if I could say this real quickly, is is Carlos was right, and he taught me a, a important lesson. He is not. You, you mentioned the Tigers, Dave. He is not at any point, unless I missed it, jumped on this terrible start that they had. Right, they had this awful start, and people are thinking, "Oh my God, it's going to be a long spring in in summer." And maybe it will be. And maybe it still will be. But he waited, and uh, he did. You know, he he did that all winter too with the hockey. But but he waited, and I, on the other hand, wrote some silly thing the other day where I thought, okay, well, yeah, maybe they will start winning and they'll shock us all. But now that the bullpen and the starting rotation, you know, and all these reasons. Yeah. And of course I look like a total fool, which is frequent, but, uh, but Carlos's sage uh, patience is, is the way to do it. And um, once again, he proved that. And, uh, and that's my well, favorite thing. Well, that, that's my favorite thing too. Sage <laughs> patience. I love it. 
<laughs> because it's 162 right. games, and Carl's his favorite sport is baseball, right? Is that fair to say? Um, or hockey, or is it hockey? Uh, I, 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 so you have to judge your favorite sport by what makes you the most upset when you watch it, right? And <laughs> probably I get more upset Kings or Dodgers? About the Kings. Okay. Oh, the Kings, by the way, beating your Connor McDavid Oilers in the first uh, first game in Edmonton. Wait, um, aren't Connor McDavid and Dylan Larkin the same player? Similar players? Yeah, they're they're yeah. they're both white guy hockey players, so same guy. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, I get more upset about the Kings, and uh, I have more, you know, uh, animosity toward their opponents than the Dodgers, probably. So what sport I'll tell you, you what, love Dave, more? You play baseball, right? What sport do you yeah. love more? What's like more? Do you get more just thrilling? If, if I know playoff hockey is really thrilling, but what's what sport do you love more? Let's go I mean, David. I'll watch. I'll probably watch more baseball throughout the season. Um, but I, I'm more. No, I I love playoff baseball. I love playoff baseball. Um, I love playoff hockey. I'm punching walls and things and stuff, whatever. But playoff baseball, I just. I really look forward to all I'm looking to recording this on Wednesday. I'm really looking forward to game two in Edmonton with the Kings tonight to go up two nothing and go back to Staples or what are they crypto arena, whatever, and uh, close it out in four so that every, you know how many people, I think as many people had the Oilers winning the Stanley cup this year as you know, the baseball smarty pants, uh, nerd boys have the Padres winning the division every year. They want to pick the Padres to win the NL West and every year for, I don't know, 30 years, They've been waiting, so he's always tell, cracking tell, on the. You're always cracking on the math guys, don't they? The, yeah, but it's the pot. I just I don't like the hot picks. Everybody loves like the trendy picks and the Padres because of you know because Fernando Tatis flips his bat, so of course they're going to win the NL West. You know, like no, it's not going to happen. You know, it's it's uh you know wow. it's the city of tears in San Diego. So, well, you know, Jack is going to be so mad at you now, Carlos. Oh, hey, tell he's him gonna, tell he's going to rip you know, up his Cal State Fullerton shirt. Tell tell you, Jack, so. tell Jack, I will buy him the Padres hat of his choice when oh, he's got a couple of those, Padres so. or whatever he wants from the Padres. <laughs> any Padres merch uh, that's not like a signed Fernando Tatis jersey or whatever, I will buy that for him when they win the NL West, which means he's going to be in his fifties and I'll probably be dead. But still. <laughs> when did you start? When did you, when did you start hating the Padres when uh, when Steve Garvey started playing for him? And you're like traitor! I can't believe this. Is is that? No, what I was happened? mad at the Dodgers. I was mad oh, yeah. at the Dodgers. Uh, but I I. I wanted, listen, here's the thing with the Padres. The dirty little secret is Dodgers fans want them to be good, actually. Like, we don't want them to be bad. Uh, you know, Dodgers fans hate the Giants, but you need you need a worthy opponent, right? You wrote your, your excellent basketball column about, you know, Draymond Green and the bad guy, and you need a villain. You need somebody to push back against. And the Padres have just been this weakling team for a long time that have been non-competitive. So, so oh, 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 there, there it is. For, Dave, for those showing us, see, what are you Dave? showing us? So I had to run while you guys were talking and get my son has a, a Padre spinner chain, that, like, like the that one they used awesome. to give out after home runs. That is and awesome. We're filming this on Streamyard, so I, I just had to go and, and show had, it to uh, you guys as, as we're talking. I had one last, one last, one last thought here, and this, and I mean this really sincerely, and I, it's, I'm just sort of figuring this out, and and maybe I'm completely off base here, but what's interesting, Dave, and and you too, Carlos. And I, so you love hockey and baseball. I mean, you love them, both of them. And you can quibble about which one you love more, whatever. You get more angry during the hockey players than the baseball players. That's, that's fun. Um, 
what's interesting is that of all the sports you write about as a columnist, and I don't want to get too far inside baseball here, no pun intended, but those are the most patient columns you write. And I wonder how much that has to do with you loving those sports the most, therefore knowing and feeling and understanding those sports the most. It's the same with me. I'm a lot more patient in football and basketball columns than I am. And I realized this the other day when I wrote about the Tigers, the Tigers hockey columns, Tigers or baseball hockey columns. It's sort of the opposite for me where you don't quite have that same feel. And so you're removed from a little bit and you're like, oh, well, this should be happening. This should be happening. Why isn't this happening? As opposed to the sports that because you, you can't love every sport you have to write about as a columnist the same, right? Or know it the same. You're just not. It's not, it's not possible. I think with I, the Lions. I, I was just curious what you think about that because it's it's interesting. I I I've thought about this a lot over the years, and um, I love is a strong word, but I really like covering the Lions. Um, they are they are a lot of fun to cover because they're so dis- they've been traditionally so dysfunctional. Um, <laughs> You're telling on yourself. <laughs> well, it's a columnist's dream. I mean, if you just if the team just wins all the time, it's kind of boring. If they lose all the time, it's boring too. But I mean, I think remember That's last true. year when they were winning, when they were that eight and two streak, we we're kind of like, we're writing the same thing. They're just good and they're good and they're good. And like, it, it was weird because we weren't used to it. But um, it's a fun team to cover. And I've said this forever. They've got the greatest, one of the greatest fan bases in, in American sports. They support they them way more than they should, they that they deserve it. Um, but I really enjoy it. I like the people down there. I like the PR staff. I like uh, I like Sheila and Steve, you know, Hamp. Um, I like, I love, he's your coach. You love Dan Campbell. I really like Dan Campbell. Um, oh, I don't, no, I don't love you him. Love him. You no, love him. No, no, I think he's, he's, your BFF. I just think he's he, one of your favorite coaches ever after Izzo probably. I right? think he's interesting and, um, and not, and he doesn't big time people. And I like that yeah. when people do that, you know, I mean, he's a nice guy. He's fascinating. Good for business. So I really, I really enjoy. And he pokes uh, at himself, covering. right? A little bit. He and does. There. And he has, he, he has fun with the media too. And I, he's a fun dude. It's a fun team to cover actually uh you know when i went to boston for to to do a daybreak name drop when i was covering the patriots uh in foxborough for in october or whatever like it was such a business-like atmosphere there and belichick sets that atmosphere it was like and they win a lot it's kind of like eh, this might be a little bit boring uh to cover if you cover like a really good team all the time um and we got a little better with the red wings for we got a lot of that with the red wings but hockey guys are much different than football players so they were always kind of fun to cover they had different personalities you know brent hall and these kind of guys um but i I like i really like i mean dave do you do you enjoy covering the lions is it is it something that you find engaging interesting do i enjoy work That's no, the I, question. Oh no! If you, hey, if you got to work, he's getting yeah. existential. No, that's a that's a good question. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I, I I've said before, right? Uh, you know, I think. Well, look, covering the NFL to me is the best. You know, beat to cover, right? It's just the. I mean, it's the monster. It's the thing people care most about. It's, it's true. Also, the one that lets you lead the most. You know, normal. I, I guess That's sort true of too. life. Unless they um, get good, and all of a sudden we're going to be down there Sunday night and Monday night, right? Yeah, but at least like during the week, you know, you sort of. I mean, regardless, you, you're you're you know, you don't have a midweek Tuesday game popping up where you got to go cover a Pistons game and double uh, header in the rain. You know, Oklahoma City. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, so exactly. it's uh, no I, offense, I, I, Oklahoma. I like City. it from a, a life you know work balance standpoint as much as you can in this business. And I will say, you know, the the people have have been. Uh, 
you know, certainly you, you have your interesting, you know, players that you get to cover. Um, there's so many of them in the locker room, right? 53 that you're bound to, you know, run into some good stories just by, by talking to people and the, uh, the regime that they have in place now. Um, I've said this before, you know, it's, it's, I think it's good people, uh, you know, smart people in, in good places doing the right, um, jobs. And, uh, you know, they've been, they've been good, to, good to deal with. And that, you know, always isn't the case, um, with some of the people that you cover. So, you know, you mentioned it, the PR staff to the, you know, to the, the people upstairs and the, the front office and, the um, uh, you know, yeah. So I, I, you know, I've got no complaints about covering the, the lions right now. Well, that sounds like a great favorite thing. And also it sounds like a great place to kind of wrap this, uh, not a favorite thing. We, you know, we can't have that in here and beat writers, <laughs> right? We don't want that. No, but. I'm not saying a favorite thing you, 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 that you love the Lions or whatever. I'm saying just that you appreciate work-life balance and um, and it's oh. and it's enjoyable to cover people that are that seem to be you know have some idea what they're doing, right? It's, you know, Car- Carlos gives me a lot of crap for some of these favorite things because I I do talk about you know the the basketball team or what my kids are doing or whatever, but that's really what it comes down to for it's me true. is being able to have some work life balance because you guys know how it is in this profession where it is a lot of nights or weekends or you know time holidays right that you're away from you know your family and so uh, I certainly do appreciate uh, you know our bosses that have you know a allow me to prioritize some of that stuff, the beat that sort of gives you that, um, you know, that, that option of doing that. And even Carlos, Sean, I, I know you said, maybe you'll just come down there. We'll keep Carlos on, you know, baseball and hockey, but even Carlos for being there at times when I'm like, man, I, I, I got something to do for my kids or whatever and uh, having him around to do some of those things. So that would be my favorite thing. No, that's, that, that's a great one. It's funny you say that because even this past weekend, I didn't, I wrote, I'm trying to remember, I wrote Saturday, I don't remember what it was, but uh, my youngest son, my youngest son, I'm sure it was terrible, my youngest son came over because the NBA playoffs started, and that's his favorite time of the year, his favorite thing to watch, it is mine too, and he came over because he wanted to watch, but I had to write, and um, you know, I'm fortunate, look, I have some pretty good balance too, but sometimes you don't, right, you just, the deadline's the deadline, and you gotta fill print and space and all that, but but for the most part, but yeah, no, it's it's fun when you have those moments. That probably should have been my favorite thing, by the way, is is the NBA playoffs started, and uh, he's a basketball nut like I am, and he came over, yeah. and uh, and and we get to watch the end of uh, the end of the Warriors dynasty and fall apart. And, oh, oh, people people stomping on jazz and and uh, yeah, it reminded me. I wrote this, I guess, but it reminded me a lot of when the Pistons finally got swept by the Bulls, and they were just def- defiant, and you know. I don't want to swear here, but you know, you remember that, right? It was Sean. The more you talk about these things, the more favorite things are coming to my mind. Cause my son, you know, Sunday we're, we're watching, he's like, Hey, can we watch some basketball? I'm like, yeah, you can flip on the basketball game. Whatever basketball game was on, I think it was the Lakers at the time. It's raining outside. He opens up the garage door, he goes out, and he's like, "Hey, can you come rebound for me while I'm shooting?" I'm like it's raining outside. I used you know to do I mean? that, but that's but that's, that's part of it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I was out, out there. I had an ice chipper. I was out there scraping ice off, and uh, so I yeah. could shoot, cut the fingers off the tip of my gloves, so I could shoot in the winter. And yeah, those are the favorite things. Absolutely. That worked. So what you're saying is you're too cheap to buy things, an automatic so. rebounder for Jack. That's what you're sort of saying. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah because yeah that's yeah. a different kind of life 
Yeah, well, right. That, you, you know who I work for. Yeah, right? exactly. That's a, that's a. I mean, maybe you do, Carlos. You 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 you're out, and you know, you live in a different stratosphere, maybe. Why well, don't uh, make Carlos has a different money. zip code than us? Yeah. So, no, right. no, 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 no. All right, all right, all right. Okay, this is uh, this has been great. It's been fun. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining us, Carlos. Any any nice kind parting words for our bud here? Yeah, just I'll see you out tonight, uh, Wednesday at uh, Bell Owl, guys. Thank, thanks for coming out for the support. <laughs> we will, I will, uh, I will definitely get there before the season's over. It's really cool that you're coaching. I think that's going to be fun. I want to come watch you coach, of course, and then move uh, a game out west, and I'll play. And come then I'll probably write. I'm going to be the Matt Patricia of our softball league. All right, I promise. Okay, and then I'll and uh, yeah, maybe I can even come write a column about it. That would be great. <laughs> but uh, anyway, thanks again, Dave. Thank you, Carlos. It's always it's always fun. Thanks for being a good sport and. Um, Keep up the great work, both of you. We want to thank you, the listener. Who else do we need to thank? We've got some other people that I, I think have something to do with this. Oh, yeah. Let's thank uh, Kirkland Crawford. Or at least Crawford. they say they do. Kirkland Crawford, our sports editor and executive producer. And Anjanette Delgado, who's getting fewer and fewer mentions every week, unfortunately. That's why our paychecks are going to go down. Dave's is going to go up, as usual. Uh, in, interim editor and executive producer. Oh, and Robin Chan, the, the most important person, actually. Yeah, we got to start with Robin. Oh, my but, God. Uh, I forgot about that. That's okay, man. No, no, you were, too worried about the cons- you were too worried about the conspiracies with Dave and more money <laughs> and all this. So. But mostly our listener. But where do they find the show, Sean? Wherever you find your favorite podcasts, Apple, Spotify. Once you get there, give us a rating, uh, subscribe, and just download that so you can hear people like Dave Burkett, the, uh, the great Dave Burkett. In any case, again, thanks for listening. We will be back next week with more Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean.